Coming up next on The Jeff Curley Show, if a company is struggling, when do you know whether it's time to change the management? It's a provocative title. You'll find out what it means next. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Curley, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, I run into a lot of leadership experts, and then when I kind of uh, lift the hood and look look under the hood, I see that they never ran a company. They were never in the trenches. Uh, for the most part, many of them are just like book smart instead of people smart. To talk about that today, a man who has been in the trenches, Al Como, he's with Primed for Change is the name of his company. Uh, first of all, I want to uh, thank you for coming on the show. And, and this topic is, is so relevant because we're going through uncertain times. I mean, we keep hearing possible recession. So your book has probably never been more timely. Well, you know, change is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, death, taxes, and change, right? The things that are going to happen to all of us. Uh, and it used to be death and taxes, but now we have to add change to it. Our organizations, our lives, we're all dealing with change. Um, you don't have something like the pandemic happen and not you know, sort of have to rethink how you do things. Sure. And just a hint at some of his background, uh, big companies, Travelocity, American Airlines, GE. Uh, we're going to put some pictures up and I want you to kind of narrate these for us. What are we looking at? Yeah. So I, I was leading communications at a, uh, a division, large division of GE, and we had uh, five days notice that the president was coming to one of our, um, one of our uh, plants in Wisconsin. And uh, we I got on a plane to, I was in Houston, I had to get home to Cincinnati, and I got on a plane to Wisconsin the next morning and, and uh, had to get my wife to send my clothes. It was a wild time. I had to staff up as fast as I could um, and get, get everything ready for the president to come and speak. Uh, so I was in London working, I was leading communications for the um, European Division of American Airlines, and a uh, fantastic opportunity, and um, it, helping to build a brand, a challenger brand, because American Airlines is not well known over there, uh, and helping to launch the One World Alliance, which was fantastic, uh, a fantastic opportunity. And then, um, yeah, February 19th, 1999, the day that will live in infamy, I, I met the Queen. Um, I got this invite on my desk, and it said, um, you know, do you want to meet the Queen? That's the Chamber of Commerce, American Chamber of Commerce. So I said, sign me up. Um, and it was a lunch, and I looked that morning at the invite, and it said, lounge suits. And I said, oh no, what is that? <laughs> lounge suits. I, so I went to the tuck shop down the street 
and it wasn't open yet. So I called the hotel where this event was happening, and they said, sir, that's a business suit. And I said, oh, thank you. <laughs> so I was going to miss the queen, right? You know, the stuff that goes through your mind. So um, she asked me how long I had been here, and um, I told her what I did. And that's it was, cool. It was very nice to meet her, and it's a lifetime memory. Wow. I've heard similar stories that she was very present when she was speaking to she you. She was, yeah. yeah she that's, was very present. That's awesome. Okay, I want to talk about the, the, the name of the book, Change the Management, because uh, you can interpret that a couple of ways. How, did you, how do you want people to interpret it? Well, we've heard about this thing called change management, right? Mm -hmm. It's this big thing that everybody talks about. And what I've learned over the years is that unless the management, unless the leaders are willing to change, unless we as leaders are willing to change, there is no change. And that's a sort of dirty little secret that a lot of experts will whisper to me, yeah, that's true. But they won't necessarily come out and say it, um, sort of because oftentimes they have a they don't have the economic reason to to say it. Um, they're busy changing an organization, and we can do the X's and O's. Those are important, as it is in football, the X's and O's. But it's really the Jimmys and the Joes. See, organizations don't actually change. We think organizations can change, but organizations don't change. People do, mm -hmm. and if our people don't change there is no change. And so I've been through a whole lot of changes, uh, helping to lead things like an IPO, a leverage buyout, take private, a hostile takeover, three CEO transitions, two startups inside large organizations. And I I've been through a whole lot of these. Um, and I know every single one of them required the leadership of the company, the leadership of the organization, sure. those humans to show their own humanity, to show their own leadership skills um, for any change to really be successful. Talk about uh, leadership in, a in, a, in an environment of, of layoffs, because you've been a part of companies when that was happening. I, it, layoffs can cause just fear throughout an organization, can't it? Yeah. Uh, and uh, so the story that I, I guess I would tell is the, that um, we all ought to be ready for this. Um, I had a, a gentleman when I was at GE, a gentleman from Australia who was at a training class with me, and, and he was in a part of the division, part of the company that they were starting to um, move away from. Uh, our uh, our economic, our um, finance part of the company. And I said to him, I said, what do you think about the fact that you're going through this? And he said, well, I figure if I don't get laid off three times in my career, I haven't taken many chances. Mm. I haven't taken enough chances. And he was probably 30 years old. So I think people need to sort of, first of all, have that mentality today. Things like this are going to happen. Either we make our careers or our careers make us. But um, in my own time, it wasn't when I came into business in 1987, it wasn't that everyone was getting laid off. This is a, a, a newer phenomenon. Um, and, and I've come to understand that it's something that is going to happen to all of us. I, I, um, we went through a, a take private at, at Sabre uh, back in 2007. Um, and I had to lay off 40% of my team because we weren't public anymore. And I was in the communications function. Uh, and then 2008 happened and we had to lay off another 40%. So I, I took the layoff. This is something that um, I had been telling everyone that it could happen if I was going to be a leader. I needed to lead lead what was going on, and so um, that's just something that happens now. Right? Well, I, I can understand why you're such a popular speaker because so many companies are going through a transition period. Uh, let's show his sizzle reel.
I set out about two decades ago to understand why is it that some companies lose at change and other companies win at change. After 20 years of looking at this, the big aha that I got was that we think about change the wrong way. Instead of trying to get our people to change, we should try to get them to want to change. We have to get our hands dirty. We have to be on the field and we can't even be on the sideline. We have to be player coaches. We have to be in the game and our people have to see us. This isn't about micromanaging. This is about pouring our hearts into the change. We have to humbly ask them to come with us on this journey called change. That's the difference between winning a change and losing a change. We have to pull our people through the change. Instead of just top-down management, we actually have to listen. Listening gives our people the opportunity to internalize the problem. And once they internalize the problem, they have to grapple with it like we have. And so they're in a different place. And it makes them much more likely to want to change. We as leaders have to find creative ways to model the change. We can't expect our people to cross an icy bridge without first laying some tracks for them so they know that it's safe. All kinds of things can go wrong during a change. This one thing, modeling the change, it has to go right. If our actions are out of line with what we're saying, game over. The best communicators in the world will tell you, even though that they are people who came up because they were great at the written word, that communications is 90% action, 10% words. So I wanna pull you through the change today. I wanna pull you through the change. Are you ready to run as fast as you can to change the world of change management forever? Are you willing to do what it takes to change our mindsets so that we can win at change? Because you know what? Somebody will. I hope that somebody is you. Well, I know, Al, like all great speakers, you have just countless stories that you can tell. What's your favorite story of change? So um, we were at Travelocity, and we'd grown from the 33,000th largest travel agency in the country to the fifth largest travel agency in the country. So massive growth, throwing a lot of people into our call centers, just trying to keep up with that. And, and this worked for us to have so much growth and to be uh, sort of focused on growth because a lot of uh, a lot of online travel agencies died. There were hundreds of them at the beginning, but most of them didn't get critical mass. So uh, so we set out to, to grow and, and we did, but at some point we realized the growth was gonna stop and we realized we needed to differentiate ourselves. Uh, I was in marketing at the time. I didn't have uh, a CMO. We didn't have one at the time. So we had to sort of figure out how we're gonna differentiate ourselves for when the growth stops. And we we, we looked at some data, and the data said that um, that we uh, we took care of the customer better than anyone else. At least that's the customer's thought thought that. So we said, okay, well, let's double down on that. We'll do something called customer championship. And that means that we're going to spend 18 months and millions of dollars um, leading a whole effort to overhaul our products, overhaul our service capabilities so that we can be the customer's champion. So this was a massive sort of change that we had to go through. Um, and 
we had to go and sell this to the team out at the call centers who sort of looked at us strange and said, you know, your ideas were sort of uh, naive. At least they were honest with me. And that's a, that's a learning right there. If we don't go and listen before we act, our ideas are going to be naive. The people closest to the change are the ones who are more likely to have um, changes, uh, uh, things, they're going to understand the change better. So we um, we were excited that they, they came along and were, were with us once we, they started seeing that we were putting millions of dollars into their ideas. Um, they realized that we were serious about this. But change is always something that's kind of concerning. Uh, everyone's always concerned. It's change. It's, it's uncomfortable. Uh, we really thought we had all the people with us, um, the product people, the, concert, the customer people, uh, and we were ready to go with the change. And then two weeks before the change, the, this launch of this thing called Customer Championship the, and a guarantee that everything will be about your booking will be right or we'll work with our partners to make it right. About two weeks before this launch, uh, we woke up one day to find that we had a $1 fare to Fiji on our website. And this was not the airline's fault. This was our fault. And uh, we wanted to show customer championship. We were, we've been talking about customer championship, but this was going to cost us an arm and a leg because it had been out on a message board where all these frequent flyers were talking about it. And so lots of people had booked $1 fares to Fiji. Wow. So what do we do? How do we show that we are true to, uh, how do we show that we are true to the, uh, to this this new change that we're talking about, but we have to make the quarter. We have Wall Street. We have a board of directors breathing down our neck. We have all these pressures on us in the here and now, and that's why modeling the change is very hard. People talk about, oh, you've got to model the change. It's very hard. You've got here and now stuff, and then you've got the change, which is just the future of the organization, just your legacy, just whether the organization's going to be around forever. But you've got these pressures on your in the here and now, and this was going to cost a lot of money. We weren't going to make our numbers, and you can't just go to Wall Street and say, sorry, next next quarter we'll get it. You know, it'll be fine. You, you can't do that, right? So, um, so what to do? Now, our CEO, Michelle Peluso, a brilliant person, um, she came at it and started looking at it and she ultimately decided, she went out to that message board and she said, if you bought a $1 fare to Fiji, have a great trip. Have a great trip. Now, when the $1 fare to Fiji came out, you can imagine what people in the call centers who were going to have to change, what they were saying. Ah, this company is not going to do this. They care about money and sort of nothing else. So yeah, they've been talking about customer championship all this time, but I can, I can, I can guarantee you this change is not going to happen. We're not going to have to worry about it. They can't send a thousand people to me uh, yelling about not getting their $1 fare to Fiji and then uh, tell me that they're all about customer championship. But Michelle did it. But smartly, she did something else that's important during the change. She listened. She came to all of us and she said, how are we going to do this? Because we're going to do this. But how are we going to do this? And from asking people for their ideas, her genius was in tapping into other people's genius. From doing that came the idea for a massive marketing deal with the Hotel Association in Fiji and the Tourism Authority in Fiji. They'd been on TV and in the newspaper, pictures of Fiji were everywhere while we were trying to figure out what to do because this was a big story that sort of went viral. 
And they were more than happy to do this. The airline gave us some discounts and we paid for the $1 fare to Fiji. But it takes someone who's willing to listen. It takes someone who believes in the change and understands you have to model the change. It takes that type of leadership to find a way to do it. Because you can't just sort of say, well, you know, that was a one-time mistake. We're going to model the change the rest of the time. You can't do that. And lots of people try to get away with it. And they try to figure out a way to rationalize uh, rationalize it away, some action that's out of line with the change. But you have to model the change through thick and thin come hell or high water. Well, that's a great story. I, I got chills. I mean, like I can put myself in her position and what would you do? And doing the right thing is yeah. always... Uh, These days, yeah. Michelle Peluso, by the way, is running CVS Pharmacy. Is so right? you've noticed the changes yes. in those pharmacies <laughs> Absolutely. and how that, that world is changing. Sure. That's a perfect place for her. Well, I urge you to follow Al on his social media platforms because he comes out with these great tips. Here's one of them. You may have heard that Gandhi said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. See, I have, I have the coffee mug, see, Gandhi, yeah. When I went to source this quote about modeling change, I found out that Gandhi never actually said it. Things aren't always as simple as we think they are. Kind of like modeling change. Things aren't as simple as we think they are. If you like these appetizers on leadership, you'll love the main course, the Leadership Mindset Masterclass. There's no time better to start than right now. You're very relatable, Al. Uh, we're almost out of time. So final thoughts. What, uh, what would you like to leave people with? No, I, my goal in the last third of my career is to help other people. I led change. I failed at change. I succeeded at change. It is terrible to fail at change. It's awful. I don't want that to happen to anyone else. So I've de- dedicated the last third of my career to helping people who are leading change so they don't make the mistakes that everyone else makes, including me, has, I've made. Um, that's what I'm here for. So uh, that's what gets me up in the morning. That's what makes me excited. So um, I'd love to help other people do it. And I appreciate you giving me this platform Absolutely. to let people know. Absolutely. You're a good man. We're going to have to have you back. We're going to end with the website, which is alcomo.com. Uh, Al, thanks for coming into the studio. Jeff, thank you for having me. That's it for now. We'll see you next time.